All right, welcome to another episode of Ran Out of Tail, and I'm your host, Joe Zier Jr., and with me is uh, Kevin Van Ert, new uh, 13.5 Minnesota State champ, is that correct? That is correct, yes. Dude, that car was dialed all weekend. It was pretty good for not a lot of practice, absolutely. Yeah, right. So, we were going to record this last weekend sometime, but man, there just wasn't time for us to get it done. Yeah, next year I think we're going to look at a little more laid-back schedule that maybe has us running a little later on uh, on Saturday night, but at the same time uh, gives us some, some break time. So that that's kind of the plan right now, um, is to, to the state champs next year adopt a little bit uh, laxer schedule to maybe give us time to do things like this. Ah, uh, okay, cool. So you've been traveling around the country quite a bit this winter and winters prior but this winter seems a little heavier than normal um how many times have you gotten on a plane to race uh 12 scale this year or total this year uh probably um probably eight different races maybe a couple flights a race so i don't know 30 to 40 times i would say dang yeah this year alone yeah so now before this, we brought up uh, RCGP. It's the series where all the fast guys, well, it's going to become the series if uh, certain people move to certain situations type deal. You know what I mean? Because uh, yep. JQ is one of the founders of RCGP. So it's a great idea, but you know the JQ name. But they are running it, and they're going to have high-quality video and all that stuff. It's going to be a series. And I, you said before this that you are gonna do. You guys are going to do that with on-road. What's that going to be? Well, there's not a lot of details right now. Uh, it kind of got – it was kind of talked about at Canadian Nats a little bit last year – or not last year, last weekend. Um, what, what they're going to do next year is they're going to start some kind of Triple Crown series for the on-road community. Uh, like we the, used to it, do? Uh, yeah, real similar to that. It's it's up in the air right now which races are going to be a part of it. Um, but the the speculation is that it'll be IIC, uh, U.S. Indoor Champs, and then Snowbird Nationals as a, a three-race series called the Triple Crown. Uh, it sounds like early rumors are Scotty Ernst is going to kind of uh, spearhead this, which would make sense. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, like I said, the, the details are not out yet. These are just preliminary rumors, but uh, they're rumors that have been supported by a lot of sources. So I would say the, the chances that it actually happens are pretty close to 100%. That should be a triple crown anyways because I know you, Weta, Gubs, and a few others from just Minnesota hit all three of those. We Yeah, we do. And uh, there's actually a lot of people across the country that hit all three of those. Uh, the Canadian Nats kind of took over as the biggest race in North America, but prior to that, the U.S. Indoor Champs had been really big, and Snowbirds was, has also been really big lately. Yep. Uh, IICs kind of had a, l- a little bit lower attendance last year, but a lot of that, I think, was due to scheduling. It was uh, the week before Indoor Champs, and with 400-something people going to Indoor Champs, that just didn't leave a lot of people left. Right. I, I don't know what I'm going to schedule next year. Um, I want to do – I don't know. I'm going to try that mini truggy on the carpet a little bit, but I want to do IIC, but I might do IOC instead. I'm not yeah. sure, though. I, I mean, as far as if people if people can 
can get time away from their families over Thanksgiving. Indoor Champs is probably the most uh, friendly race to go to. I mean, it's huge. It's at a hotel. It's over Thanksgiving. Yeah. Not a lot of vacation taken. That's the... IIC is a lot of fun, but it's also a week long and in Vegas. So that right. leads to expenses and things like that. Right. And I'm going to be spending a ton of money just taking Joey to Omaha. from a thir- It's a Thursday to Sunday race at Omaha uh, 10th scale race coming up at the end of April. Yeah, and there's there's some rumors that IIC is going to be over Labor Day weekend this year, so it's going to be a lot earlier than previous years. Oh, really? Uh, is the rumor. Again, there's nothing official, but that's, right. uh, that's what the, the circle's kind of saying. Well, he also has to work with the hotels and whatnot, because hasn't IIC in the past been ran up until November? Yeah, uh, previously it had been the first weekend, and then, well, going back a long ways, it had been in September, and then... Uh, it had been in October, and this year it was in November, and next year it sounds like it's going to be different. Uh, working with the hotels is obviously the hard part because as RC racers, we don't, we we really don't sell a lot of hotel rooms. Right. Um, you know, we need, we take up a lot of space, but don't don't necessarily bring a lot to these hotels. We try to sleep four uh, per room. <laughs> yeah, we're. I mean, RC racers are notoriously cheap, so that doesn't give Scotty a lot of bargaining power in Vegas. Right. Right. So. In a few of these races, you guys have uh, been running the Can-Am Series motors. Yep. I, I like the idea of it. Tell me a little bit more about it. I mean, it sounds like um, lock timing, every motor the same in stock. They hand it out, you hand it back at the end of the day, and they hand you a different one? Well, there's a few different ways to do it, uh, and it's kind of up to the race how they want to do it. One way is just like you indicated where you – you run it for a day, hand it back, and, and then get a new one the next day. Uh, that's the rental program. And actually, Indoor Champs did a, a purchase program where you bought one at the beginning of the weekend and ran that the rest of the week. Um, so there's there's a couple different ways to do it. I think the rental program is probably the best. Uh, the way that works is racers pay $25. And then, like you said, they hand it back every day and get a new motor the next day. I like uh, that. It works really well. I mean, handout motors for stock racing are incredible. Um, I, I, I wish Minnesota in general would, would go to a handout program where we all agreed that, hey, look, we're going to run these motors in stock for a year. Leave, leave super stock open, leave other classes open, but in stock racing, uh, there's just no need to make it more expensive. Right, and you know what? That would shut a lot of people's mouths about the motor game, including mine. I, you know, it's funny you said that because I was going to say the same thing. Uh, you, you've got one of the biggest mouths. So. Oh, I do. Well, um, you know, I think, it, it I, might I think se- it's great. I really yeah, do. it might seem like it because most of that talk is in our chat. I don't. I'd say eighty percent of that stuff I'm not really public with. Right. No, I certainly understand, and I just—I <laughs> mean, there's no, there's, there's really not a lot of downsides to the handout motor thing, in my opinion. Um, the, the one downside is logistics. Obviously, if every track is using a different handout motor, that becomes a problem. Oh, for sure. Uh, what I would like to see, and this is just, just spitballing here, maybe some of your viewers or listeners can, can comment. I would like to see some of the tracks in Minnesota just agree that, uh, look, this is what's going to be our handout motor for, for 2019, 2020. Uh, they could use the same one in touring car and 12 scale or a different one, or use the Can-Am motors. I don't, it doesn't really matter what the motor is, is what we learned this year at, uh, at the Huddy race. For example, we, we all got R1 motors. Every, every 12 scale driver got an R1 motor. Every sedan driver got a motive motor yep. and that's what you ran for the week. Nice. Uh, or the, the weekend. And that worked quite honestly just as well as Can Am. 
Okay, so, yeah. So, in my opinion, obviously. Oh, for sure. So, was it the indoor champs? I watched the main for that one, and it was incredibly tight. Was that, um, wasn't that the one where you had to be within three seconds to make the A main? Yeah, it was something silly. Like eighth through sixteenth was separated by like eight tenths of a second in twelve scale. It was it was absolutely crazy. Uh, the racing was as close as it can possibly. Get. It was a freight train all eight minutes. Essentially, yeah, yep. That's that's how uh, the the races worked. And some of the other races this year, even the handout races, weren't quite that close. But uh, the way that track layout worked and the level of competition, it was it was pretty awesome. Oh, for sure. I really. I really like that Can-Am idea, though. Um, I think we should. I don't know. I Would we have to start campaigning now for it? I I don't know if it's necessarily something you have to campaign for. It's it's more something I think the track owners have to be on board with. Uh, and, I, and I say that track owners being Dollar Hobbies, MMR, and LSRCC, as well as Genesis Hobbies, because if we were going to do it, it would only make sense that we – we did it starting with the mile higher, the um, the Midwest Indoor Championships at Brandon's race next year. Right. Uh, so I think it starts with the track owners, and if it's something the track owners are interested in, then it starts with the discussion with the racers. Right. Because uh, ultimately, I'm I mean I I'm not looking to have people spend more money. It's it's all about racing as economically as possible, especially in the stock classes. I think, uh, and I know you're you're pushing for this in off road that you know stock should be competitive and close and if you want to if you want to do things and go a little faster uh then there's always super stocker mod right and, and i think it's important that those classes stay not handout motor uh i think we need to throw the manufacturers a little bit of a bone and also allow some of the faster drivers to go a little faster without being dictated by uh an individual motor that a track or or a promoter might pick right you know um I did run Mod Buggy yesterday for the first time in years. And was it as bad as I would expect? Consistent-wise, yes. My lap, my fast lap time was six-tenths faster than my stock lap time from the points race. And the points race, the grip was higher. Well, that's not, that's not bad. That's actually better than I would have expected. But it was a shit show, man. <laughs> I mean, off-road mods okay. On-road mods, I, it's undoable. I, I hate to, I hate to say it's not really a thing. I mean, some guys try and run mod touring car. Most of the time, it's uh, really only a, a tenth or two faster than stock because it's so limited by grip. Right. Uh, when you put foam tires on it, you're obviously not you limited by grip, and and then it just gets absolutely crazy. Uh, the the cars, unless you have a place to practice and someone just feeding you tires to practice with, uh, for for most of us mortals, it's just really not possible, and that's right. why I think super stock's a nice compromise. It is. Um, 12 scale mod, that is like, you know, 12 scale stock, one run or a dry tire is faster, but you can get a lot of runtime out of a set of tires. Modified? Absolutely. That is one run, period. You're, you're running it down yeah, to the rim, no, basically. Yeah, there's no foam left. No. And then 13.5, I talked to Wida about it. He was saying it was a two-run situation. Yeah, it, de it depends on the individual. There's a lot of people that will run them a couple times. Uh, I generally don't because I I, I, uh, I dump truck on the front wheels, for lack of a better way to put it, and break all the glue off. Right, and then you got to re-glue anyways. Yeah, and if the glue starts, if it if it just chips or if it actually cracks off, you, you almost can't re-glue because you can't get a flat surface. Yep. 
and that's so, that's what he was saying too. Is man, you gotta get that glue good again if you're gonna get two runs out of him. Or, well, yeah, basically. Yeah, I mean the the basically the way the way it works is the faster the cars go, the 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 less tire wear or tire tire life you're gonna get. The spec the spec twelves, for example, they get they get longer than stock, and super stock gets uh, less than stock, and then mod yeah. gets less than super stock. So it's just a progressive thing. Spec that spec twelve class. I was a skeptic at first, but it's not bad. It is, it it's slow for sure. But that was some close racing, and because I think Anthony was qualified like fourth, just because he kept a clean race, he got the win last week. Yeah, he he was able to keep it clean, and uh, the the rest of the drivers weren't. I mean, some yeah. of them through not a whole lot of fault of their own, unfortunately. Right. Um, I, I think spec 12 scales actually too fast. I think stock 12 scales too fast. Uh, and if we were to slow them down even a little more, I think that would be good. And certainly if we went to the handout motors, I think that would result in things actually being a little slower. So, Oh, you're, you're right. Um, that last generation of motors that hit with the monster, which is now illegal in the gen two, um, TSR and all that stuff that created an extra level of speed that, it almost feels like seventeen five is thirteen five three years ago. Oh, it is absolutely. There's no doubt about that. And the to give people kind of an idea, the Can Am motors that we're running, the Team Scream, uh, the Team Scream Can Am motor is essentially the original Team Scream seventeen five from I believe four or five years ago, uh, and it's roughly a tenth or two faster than the Hobbywing just stock 17.5 handouts we've been running okay. in spec 12. Uh, so really, it, it definitely would slow stock down, and in that case, I think we could also be uh, looking at slowing slowing the uh, spec 12 down. Yep. People just people just don't need to go fast to have fun. I mean, it, Oh, you're uh, right. It, Look it doesn't Euro promote truck. good racing. Euro trucks are slow and terrible, but it, it's great racing. Absolutely. And that's that was just silly. It was fun and silly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, probably a little too silly. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, and we'll work on that for next time. Yeah, got a good crowd going around. Absolutely. Um, another question I had, uh, which I, I, I know I'm going to get an immediate answer out of this one. Do you think CRC will ever go to metric hardware? You know, I, I, every, every year we kind of do a yearly wrap up with CRC, and uh, I, it's one of those things that. They just uh, feel very passionately that, that standard hardware is the right way to go. Additionally, all their cars are standard hardware, so it's it's actually a lot more difficult and expensive uh, for them to convert for, for no real benefit. I mean, if you look at it, do you, do you see any benefit to the manufacturer for going to standard hardware or for going to metric hardware from standard? Because there really isn't one. No, there isn't. Um, I just have, personally, I just have to spend... 36 bucks on some new uh allen wrenches and a couple of nut drivers yeah absolutely and for the consumer it probably would be easier uh but again for the manufacturer it would be a whole lot more difficult and it might raise the price on what's already uh one of the cheapest cars out there and i know they work very hard to keep it that way so um in in the foreseeable future i i think it's going to stay standard hardware um, but that doesn't mean that in the future, you know, in the extended future, it, it might not change. I just wouldn't expect any change in the next uh, in the next cycle of cars. He's probably elbow deep in standard too. So. 
So. Yeah, well, one thing CRC does is they they actually keep quite a bit of inventory in stock. That includes screws and all the associated oh, sure. parts. Um, some some companies out there you're gonna you're gonna see things out of stock. With CRC, you're not gonna see things out of stock. Um, in the last two years, I think the only thing I've ever seen out of stock was a tire and uh, clamping hub, and that's when we all switched to the the spool axles. So. Oh yeah, I remember that. Other than that, they, they really pride themselves in keeping a lot in stock, keeping inventory high, uh, and being able to provide their customer with what they need when they need it. So um, it, it's not as easy as with a company that runs pretty lean and can just make those changes because that's not how CRC works. Oh, I know. So you guys, are I noticed, are back on the graphite chassis again. Uh, yeah, well, it's it, it's kind of uh, goes know. back and forth. There, it's, a, right. it's largely a fad-based thing. Um, I'm still running the titanium chassis. John ran the aluminum chassis, or the, the carbon chassis. And uh, what we'll run next year, I, I really don't know. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see us back on carbon chassis. There's some some cool ideas out there for carbon as far as keeping the weight really low, okay. uh, countersinking weights into them, into the bottom of them with that tungsten cool. and brass weights. Uh, so there there's still some progression that can come out on that front, but... Uh, I would like to see us go back to carbon just because it's easier. Uh, it's it's not good that people think they need this $200 titanium chassis to go fast when the reality is they, they just don't. Um, so it, it's not good for, for the industry. It's not good for the company. So like I said, I'd, I would like to see us go back to carbon, and we're certainly trying to innovate something to make that a, a possibility. And, you know, I'm happy with, with my – it was a $230 Roche that came with aluminum. I I didn't feel the need for anything else except for to drive better. Yeah, the the Roche the the Roche you have is you have the 2018 uh, before the Evo, if I understand right. right. Yeah, the non bell crank. Yeah, and the one thing that the the Roche is kind of running into right now is the new Evo bell crank car has two millimeter aluminum, where your car has two point five millimeter right. aluminum. Uh, so they're running into some bending issues and things like that with that thinner aluminum, uh, which is obviously something that absolutely goes away whenever you switch to carbon. Yeah. Um, are you running um, a different cut, or or is John running a different cut carbon, or is he running uh, CRC? He's running the CRC Z-Flex carbon. So is that that optional one you can get? Or? It is, yep. It's the extra stiff uh, graphite chassis available directly from CRC as an option. Right, right. And I just I put a ton of weight up front. And... Yeah, nowadays, well, well, a couple things happened. Um, one thing, when we switched to the spool, that took 10 to 15 grams out of the car. Yep. And then this new, the newest generation of motors is 10 to 15 grams lighter as well. Uh, so between those two things, you're looking at having to add 30, 40, even 50 grams in some case back into the cars to get them to that 730 weight weight limit. Yep. So, all right. Um, I see the new B74 is coming out. Do you think they're going to have a mini truggy with it? I've been getting a 50-50 answer from all the associated guys. Well, I I think the answer is no one really knows. Uh, you know my stance on it. I've said if they come out with a mini truggy, I'd, I'd buy it to try right. it. Um, but I, if they don't, then I won't. So I, I guess it depends on how many people out there like me are saying, well, I'd buy it if it's available. But until yeah. it's available, I'm just kind of I'm doing nothing. You know, if they come out with a mini truggy, I think I'm going to have to let my VT64 go and just buy the Associated. 
I think you'd see a lot of people do that. And I'm, I'm hoping to see some of the mini truggies outside because I think that could be a place where the, the mini truggy really excels indoors, small tracks. It's not really a thing. But uh, yeah. if they fix the durability issues and can get the mini truggies durable on these big outdoor tracks where the truck tires really benefit uh, the, the handling and the durability, I think it has the potential to be a thing. So mine broke twice yesterday. One was my fault. The other one, someone else was driving. I uh, stripped a spur gear. That's going to happen in four-wheel. And what happened was my motor mount came loose on the bottom. And I noticed a flex, and it jammed the motor into the spur gear. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I let uh, my friend race because her husband was up. With, he was out there for the first time with his mini truggy. She's a novice, but she has a four-wheel. She has a four-wheel drive modified Techno with an eight-five in it. So I'm like, oh, she can handle this thing. She's never dealt with that much steering in her life, I could tell, because I have that thing cornering like a twelve scale, a very, very loose twelve scale, and a lot of people don't like that. Um, she just put it up on its rear end and broke a rear arm, but you know, it's fun. It didn't matter. Well, historically, the biggest issue with four-wheel drive cars, four-wheel drive electric cars, 10th scale, has always been durability, right? Oh, yeah. Um, get it, getting a car that'll last eight minutes or six minutes is a problem. And as we move outside with bigger tracks, bigger jumps, rougher tracks, uh, that's even even more relevant. I know we've tried to run four-wheel drive on our, our dirt track, 10th scale four-wheel drive on our dirt track at LSRCC, and it's it's been really difficult. Because oh, yeah. people just aren't able to finish races. They burn up tires, things like that. Uh, so if we could see the mini truggy take off, I think that might be a good op- opportunity for people to get into a 10-scale four-wheel drive. Right. Um, I think also the some of the people buying them are a little too inexperienced to have them. Some people are have plenty of experience, but some of the people that are breaking, I've, I've watched a lot of people with all kinds like, um, around here, they were on stock or 13.5 wheeler, which is, it gets numbers. I'm not a fan, but there's people that are three to four laps down from the leaders that are breaking every other run. It's like, yeah, you know, why don't you get your feet wet in stock buggy for a little bit before you jump into a monster of a mod vehicle? Well, I think some of that comes from the fact that Mini Truggy started out kind of as a basher class. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a one-off custom class where oh, right. people were making their own, things like that. And that attracts the the hobbyists more so than the hardcore racers. Yep. So There's been uh, Mini Truggies long before Techno came out with theirs, but Techno is such a popular company. They're the one who made it into a race vehicle. Absolutely, yep. Yep, definitely. I and I agree with you. I think uh, I think people would have more fun if they if they realize their limitations, and and even experienced racers have more fun if they realize their limitations. Yeah, uh, I, hey, I think uh, I, part I am, of it is just knowing what you what you can have fun doing and what you can't have fun doing. Yeah, I am having fun with the mod buggy because there's enough grip to where down the straightaway on a few laps, I pulled a wheelie so hard it slapped the rear wing. Yeah, you have no business running mod buggy. I'll just throw that out there for everyone to listen to. No, you're you're not wrong, but maybe I don't know. I I think if you get the group of experienced racers out there, I still think I would end up the same as I would in stock buggy. Top and of the B, possible. bottom that's of the a. 
top of the B, bottom of the A is where I believe I'd finish. Then that's probably a realistic possibility or a realistic outcome. Uh, it's just, it, I mean, if that's how you're having fun, great. But I think uh, most people would have more fun if they drove a vehicle they can control. Yeah. Oh, I made a lot of... So I'm running the old uh, Hobbywing 3.1, and we tried adjusting the drive frequency on it. I don't think it has it. I hooked up my old box, and we hooked up Senior's new box, and we couldn't find drive frequency with it. So I turned down my throttle expo down to like negative 20 and took 10% off the top, and that made it way better, way easier to drive. Driving that thing flat out at 100 was almost impossible for my skill level. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to tune those faster cars to be easier to drive. Um, but if you want a car that's easier to drive, why not just drive a slower car? Um, rather than have to tune your, your fast car to be slower, why not just run your slower car and, and go all out? Well, that's true, but my fast car tuned down is still faster than a, me running a stock buggy around the track. And that's fair. I mean, if, as long as you're doing that, more power to you. Yeah, it's... You know, you're not, I mean, you're not really wrong saying I have no business, but eh, it's fun and it takes so much game out of it. I don't have to buy pucks, I don't have to buy a slipper eliminator, all that other crap. And that is certainly one of the things that's become an issue with stock off-road. I haven't seriously raced stock off-road 17.5 buggy in quite a while, but um, I do know there's a, a litany of parts and things like that that people are buying nowadays that basically... Um, just drive the cost up yeah which is unfortunate but it's reality it is and it's like i think with all the things and you um weight's not that huge of an issue a lot of people are putting their weight on their setup sheets and they're 60 grams overweight around there 60 to 80 and um a lot of people um all those extra parts that cost so much money you're getting a tenth faster a lap tenth and a half Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, that's not worth it to me. I would, uh, I mean, I mean, the, the problem is it's not worth it to you, but if, if you're trying to win it, it almost becomes mandatory. Hold on one second. I'm going to pause this. Uh, we'll be back in a second. You won't notice the pause. There we go. We're back from that little pause. You probably didn't even notice. So yeah, we're just talking stock buggy, you know, winning is, it depends. I want to be the top of the guys I'm racing with is the best way to put it. Like, it kind of kills me that last week that uh, Nick Lovato beat me and um, Drew Pierce beat me. Because normally I'm right in the mix with those guys. And any given week, we be, you know we beat each other. But I haven't been running on-road, and I was announcing the races last week, so I really didn't get any good chances to practice a wrench. And I appreciate you wrenching my car and seeing you wrench my car and whoever else did, but I wasn't at the top. But also with Stock Buggy, I want to be at the top of the group I'm with with those guys. So that's where I feel like I would have to put that money in to get that little teeny tiny edge yeah, absolutely you probably would and that's uh that is certainly one factor that that makes it an issue um and additionally i mean i think i think stock in general gets a bad rap but 
uh, that really isn't a thing in on-road and stock. I know the guys no. running GT12, they're they're pretty much running box stock cars. We've yeah. we've raised the weight limit to make sure it's not really an issue where people are having to spend money to get to the the minimum weight. Right. And there's not really all these lightweight parts, so people can jump into the stock on-road a lot easier than they can maybe the stock yeah. off-road and be competitive. My Roche box stock, well, not box stock. I had to put a spool in it because I bought the last gen. But my Roche with the spool is 735 box, basically stock. I mean, there's, and I'm running a big servo. I'm running the KO. Yeah, and there's just it, the nice part about that is people can just pick it up, buy it, build it, go to the track, and be competitive. It's yep. not something where they need to be uh, buying two, three hundred dollars worth of parts, uh, light, light drivetrain parts, or anything like that. Right. Um, they're just pretty much ready to go, and I think I think as we see a move to stock handout motors, uh, that'll be even more more pronounced. Where you'll see people really learning to appreciate stock and and maybe some of its simplicity, and they can just work on their setup and their tires and their driving. Right, and you know, it'll also be nice of slowing it down a little bit. You'll get a little more life out of the bodies too, because those have become paper thin lately. They have some of the lightweight bodies, though. I mean, I people don't really remember what used to be the lightweight bodies, but in my experience, we'd see them crack and chip and things like that. Right. Uh, some some of these really lightweight bodies, they they don't crack as much, so they're they well they are lighter. Uh, we're seeing about the same life out of them. Yeah. Unfortunately, the difference is one bad crash and it it can be toast. Right. Yeah. They they fold. Yep. Absolutely. So, what else do we have for this week? Man, I, we've kind of burnt through almost everything. Um, how, what do you think about um, what do you think about the Canadian Nationals? Do you think they should cap the entries to that? Because, like Swanee said last week, I'd rather go the Suicide Force in Japan than the Canadian Nationals. You know, that's I, everyone feels a little bit differently about that. I think uh, some people think oh that the bigger race is always better others don't um one interesting concept i heard from mike hanulek on his track rats podcast actually was to set up two different tracks to run the race uh, i don't i don't know if you're familiar Ooh. with it but that the canadian nats is actually in an old target building yep uh so they have unlimited space they could theoretically do uh a multi-track setup or a tw- run 24 hour setup and that that would probably be better than uh what they did this year, but I would certainly expect that next year we're going to see as many or more people, and I've, I've heard nothing about capping the entries. Okay, the only thing I could see with a system like that is the PA systems conflicting with each other, but other than that, that's not a bad idea. I have one track specifically for 12-scale, make it super nice for 12-scale, and another one just for touring car. Well, it wouldn't be quite that specific because you'd have okay. to do one for pan car and one for rubber tire car. Yeah. Uh, because you'd have your GT, you have your GT rubbers and your F1s and things like that that they they all need a place to run as well. Yeah. Um, but as far as a logistics issue, I, I mean, certainly Canadian Nats was an issue. There was a lot of talk about long days, not a lot of practice. Um, but I'm sure they're going to work on it. They've made changes every year, and I don't I don't doubt that they'll do the same for next year. Right. I don't know. It just sounds like some some of these on-road races are going to hit that 900 to 1,000 entry mark like some of the off-road races have. And it's, well, it, C- Canadian Nats is really the only one who's shown any signs of getting close to that. So in, until it becomes a problem, I think it's one, something that they can probably address without, without the mainstream having to, 
step on their feet. I mean, it's it's their race, and like I said, they've they've done a lot of good things. So, oh, um, yeah, I, I think uh, we should let them figure it out. And if if for, if it becomes an issue in other races, that'd be awesome. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it sounds it sounds like a it could be a fun race, but man. Yeah, little little bit of track time and a lot of time there. Um, what else do I have? Oh, WGTR. That's kind of fallen off everywhere. Do you guys still have a good group of it up in uh, LSRCC? You know, we do. And, and at the end of the year, there was more running than at the start of the year. A few people had picked it up. And it's, I mean, aside from Euro Truck, it's really one of those just ideal club classes. We've got guys who... Uh, they've been running the same set of tires two years, the same car two wow. years. Basically, that some of them have put a new body on, some of them haven't even done that. Uh, so it really is an ideal club class. It's unfortunate that uh, it's not really ran a lot of places, but for us, it's been great, and I would assume it'll uh, continue to be pretty good. How um, how are the entries at the bigger races with it? Uh, they're really hit or miss. At uh, it, it's really a solid class at the U.S. Indoor Champs. Um, because Pancar in general's ran quite a bit in the Midwest, the Ohio region, uh, and GTR is pretty big in those areas. So in those races, it's well supported. Uh, you get to a race at Snowbirds, and there's not nearly as many of them uh, as there are in the Midwest races. So it's really hit or miss, I would say. All right. A couple more questions, and I'll uh, let you fly because I'm running on empty. Um... What are your plans for off-road in the summer, A-scale electric buggy, and that's about it? Yeah, my on-road season's actually not over yet. I'm I'm going to Denver in two weeks to run uh, the Mile High Indoor Championship. Oh, uh, that's ap- right. After that, uh, it'll just be club racing e-buggy, um, maybe hitting a couple of the series races, a couple of the Saturday races. Uh, I try and not go too hard in the summer because uh, I go hard pretty pretty much all winter. So if I right. tried to do that year-round, I, I would, um, quite frankly, probably just burn out. Oh, for sure. Um, hopefully you don't get stuck in a, another snowstorm in uh, Denver. Yeah, that this this year was uh, was quite the mess. I, I spent some serious time waiting in airports. I know. You and Gubbs were both 24 hours later, weren't you? A Gubbs was 24, I was 48, yeah. Oh, it, wow. It, yeah, it was it was a pain in the butt. But, um, unfortunately, Mother Nature is not real predictable. No. Um, so, who are your current sponsors right now, out of curiosity? Because things change quite often with racers, and I have, I mean, I believe yours are the same. Yeah, I haven't really changed anything. We're, we're just rocking with MFR, Menards Factory Racing. Uh, as well as CRC, Hobbywing, and Genesis RC. So uh, my my sponsors haven't really changed in a couple of years. I think it's important to to be loyal, and uh, they have, they have, have the best products. So um, when they have the best products, there's really no reason to change. That's true. Um, I have oh, I do have a couple of a uh, couple of uh, li- listener questions here. I got to get to. Sure. Uh, um. Swanee was, Swanee was re- wondering, can the creator of the MFR logo technically be considering considered a fashion designer since the logo is just printed everywhere on, on clothes and whatnot? Um, I, I think that's something that uh, if he would like to put it on his resume, I would support. So, um, 
Yeah, absolutely, Eric. I, for those that don't know, Eric actually designed the MFR logo, and he he did a, a oh. bang out job. Oh, he for sure did. He uh, created the ran out of talent logos that I've been using for hanging on to for years because for a long, long time this podcast was inactive. Um, the original host, Gerton, quit. So, yeah, Eric actually he did a, a custom pit board design for me f- as well that was sent to Brandon Skews and. And he printed it on his on his new generation pit board. So if people are looking for that kind of stuff, feel free to hit up Eric as well as Brandon. Uh, Eric's a great graphic designer, and Brandon Brandon makes a great product as well. What, so what's Brandon's new generation of pit board? Uh, he's actually uh, reverse printing graphics on the bottom side rather than just doing the laser etching. Oh, uh, so so nice. you can print uh, names, logos. You can match it to your car scheme, things like that. Uh, and that's something he just introduced, and like I said, Eric was able to help me get one that matches my car schemes. So um, they're they're really good, and you can check them out at genesisrc.com. Oh, for sure, that's awesome. Um, Greening wants to know what's your favorite hair product. That mane is magnificent. <laughs> um, you know, I I I don't really use hair products, unfortunately. Uh, I'm I'm more of a wake up, run your hands through it, and and go. So I miss those days. Yeah, I mean, you, well, you could still you could still wake up, run your head through where you used to have hair and go. Yeah, you know, um, one of my buddies is getting out of the military this summer. And he says he wants to grow a skullet, so I'm going to grow a skullet with him. <laughs> poor, I have no comment poor, on that. Poor decisions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, whatever, you're free to make them. Yeah. Christopher Wall was wondering uh, CRC chassis setup springs and such. If if you want, if it's too long, if you want to shoot him a PM, I mean, uh, yeah, actually, what we're we're pretty much running John Wita's uh, 2019 stock NAT setup, which was posted on the CRC website and Facebook. Uh, so if you want to take a look at that, you you can see what we're running. We ran the same thing at the. Uh, the Minnesota State Champs, and if you have additional questions, you can feel free to message uh, me on Facebook or RC Tech, whatever is better for you. Yep, Jeremy Oldman, best uh, class for a newbie to start. Been kicking the idea around for over a year. I'm sure my son would enjoy on road. Well, that that kind of depends on you because you need to run something that's supported at your local track. Uh, if your if your local track is Dollar Hobbies, it's probably going to be something like uh, Spec 12. If your local track supports World GT Rubber, I think that's a great option just because the there's no chunking tires, destroying tires. A $50 set of tires will last you or your son a year. Um, so it becomes really cost effective. So uh, another question from Chris Martin. It's a long one. He's not a newbie when considering tuning difficulty overall operating cost and class turnouts in minnesota and wisconsin tracks what would be the best class for someone to get into same i think that's the same uh that's spec 12 well again i think that depends on what your local tracks are i mean if you're if your house is right next to to thunder road if you're if you live close to 510 well um, he's then, the owner you know, of 510 yeah, yeah, exactly. If, I mean, if you if you've got locals, um, that that's probably your best option. Ultimately, uh, access to tracks, access to help is is really the most important thing. So if you have better access to on road tracks, start there. If you have better tra- access to off road tracks, start there. Uh, I, I certainly enjoy both. I think most people can enjoy both as as long as they um, have a good shot and get get the necessary help and get products that are really going to work. Um, 
because there's nothing more frustrating than going to the track and not being able to make your car work. Uh, that's why I went uh, with the associated nitro buggy this year. Yeah, and like I said, yeah. uh, there's nothing wrong with stock buggy on the off-road. There's nothing wrong with one of the on-road classes. Um, I, I think most people would benefit from, from doing both. I've told a lot of our local guys that you learn something from every car you drive, whether that be a two-wheel drive stock buggy, a Mod 12 scale, a VTA car. Um, you, you learn something that can be transferred to all other classes and cars that you run. Uh, so if your goal is to get better, the you know if you master one class, then move on to something else, because what you might learn in on road can teach you a lot about lines and precision driving in off road. Right, right. Um, I have one more question, and I'll let you go this time. I promise. Sure. Um, what motor will um, MFR be tuning next year, or the, whenever you get your next shipment? Well, that's a good question, and I really don't know an answer to that. The The new Trinity uh, X-Factor shown a lot of potential. I know they're going to make a couple changes to that. Uh, right now, we're running the R1, either the R1 stuff or the Trinity stuff, and both of them have shown a lot of potential. Uh, that being said, the next on-road season is, uh, what, seven, eight months away, and it wouldn't surprise yeah. me to see new motors from most of these companies by then. Right, yeah, TSR has that new v3 that's basically the same as a motive isn't it it's uh they're made in the same factory they're a little bit different design uh the the team screams using a, a slightly thinner stator leg is my understanding with a slightly lower resistance uh whereas the motive is running a little bit higher resistance due to their design choices um, but again, it, it really it really depends. I mean, there's so much that goes into these motors. It's not just what does it look like. It's what is the stator steel actually made out of? Uh, how thick are, are the legs? The legs are what the wire is actually wrapped around. Uh, things like that can make a big difference, and they're, they're non-noticeable to the consumer. Uh, so companies are constantly tweaking this stuff and, and coming up with what's a better all-around product. Nice, nice. All right, well, thanks for your time. This is, like I said in earlier ones, I'm going to make them either anywhere from a half hour to three hours. This is going to be about a 40-minute one, so I appreciate your time. Um, I wish we could have gotten this done at the track, but like I said last week, it was just way too busy for all of us. So um, we'll end this. I'm... Joe Zer Jr. and with me is Kevin Van Ert and we've ran out of talent. <laughs>